Anyway, I'm happy to be here. Anyway, I mean this part of the country. That's what I mean. This middle part of the country. On, on my way here, Dan was telling me here and there, it's just a lot of little places with uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I thought that is the name of some chief, Indian chief. I didn't know there's a place or a locality called Broken Arrow. Now there's uh, up to 15 saints in Broken Arrow. You know, I like to uh, prophesy. You know, I like to predict. Well, the burden for this uh, GDCA move for this country aims to raise up at least 215 new churches in the next decade. Uh, that means between now and 2020. 250, and by faith I say at least. Uh, actually, we're going to target 500 cities in this next year to distribute probably up to a million pieces of literature in, in 500 cities. And out of the 500, we expect that we will raise up at least half of that with golden lampstands. Now, my point is this, that all these new lampstands will have a certain common trait or characteristic. And guess, guess what that is? Small. They'll be small. You know, um, we have done a lot of big migrations, and uh, I've been part of that and uh, helped to facilitate that. I must tell you that it really, really is not so easy to move 50 to 100 people from locality A to locality B. But, but to raise up a small little uh, place with, uh, you know, uh, six or eight saints migrating there, and then contacting some local ones scattered there, and with some new ones that are there open to us. Very, very quickly, you can have a little church of uh, 15, 20, 25, 30 raised up. And mind you, they will grow. You see? The bigger they are, the harder it is to grow. The smaller they are, the quicker they grow. And the more people, the, more, uh, the, the less the saints will function. You see, like tonight, those sitting in the back row, it's a little hard for them to function. But when everyone is on the first row, nobody is exempt. Everyone has to participate. And that's wonderful. And not only so, these small churches will have another characteristic, and they will be primarily home-based. I don't mean we don't need meeting halls, but I would like to say the New Testament church as a that, 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 uh, is, uh, that we pattern our church life after, at least we should, is very, very much home-based. They met in the early days from house to house, not from hall to hall, or from uh, temple to temple. There was only one temple. But they met from house to house. The Greek meaning of that word is they met housely, if you, if you will. Housely. That means every, wherever there's a house of a Christian, that's a meeting hall. If you have a house, your house is spontaneously a meeting place of the saints. Amen. A small church allows that. Amen. 
In fact, that's I like to see more and more churches without meeting halls. Now, again, I'm not against meeting hall. I came from Irvine. We just built a spanking new <laughs> meeting hall. Uh, that, uh, if you go and look at it, might become a bit scandalous because it was too. It's too nice. Uh, it's simply too nice. Um, but I, I think that is not the the way. The New Testament way is to meet house to house, where all the saints function. And by this way, we will populate the United States with many new little lampstands, and they will grow. And, uh, and I'm seeing it. It's, you, 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 it's happening here already. Um, uh, Manhattan, right? little Manhattan uh, and, and then Lawrence right yeah. something's going to happen in Lawrence yeah. and uh, um, of course you know some of the places have been there for a little longer Topeka yeah. Topeka Kansas right how about Columbia Missouri huh uh, I mean this state this show me state is that right what yeah. you call it this state that, uh, that you're in or that you belong to, your home state. Uh, I found uh, a, f- uh, a couple of years ago, or maybe more than that, in one of the um, uh, national election, you know, the, the uh, survey that they did on exit polls or whatever they did, I don't remember, that this state uh, has the highest number of born-again believers per capita, per capita. That means not an absolute number, but per, you know, based on your population of this state, you have the highest percentage of at least professed born-again believers. This tells me something. This tells me the people in this state uh, fears God and reveres the word, I believe, and I have to believe out of so many there are those who would seek for something deeper, Amen. something Amen. more. Amen. Uh, they're looking for something more in the Word of God. Uh, I must tell you today that uh, there is, uh, from many sources, so this is not just hearsay, um, a kind of a um, pervasive uh, discontentment among Christians, including many who belong to so-called mega churches. You know, mega churches. Um, we ran to one such couple in Denver, right there. This dear couple uh, who uh, has a son and a daughter. The daughter went to Austin and went to UT Austin, contacted the saints and start coming to the church. The parents went there, uh, or, or rather the mother went there, and the mother went to her first and only church meeting in Austin. And in one meeting, at the end of that meeting, she said, this is it. She belongs to a mega church with all the stuff that comes along with a mega church. You know what I mean, all the entertainment, all the preaching, all the whatever, but not happy, not satisfied. 
They're looking for something deeper. And by just one meeting, she said, that's it. And she started coming. They're from Denver. So they're now beginning to meet in the church in Denver with her husband coming. I met her husband there. I think her, his name is Scott. I think her name is Missy or something like that. And I talked to Scott. I said, Scott, I've got one question for you. Is this real, what I'm hearing? Which is what I just told you concerning the makers. He said, you bet. This is absolutely happening. And I asked Missy, uh, how is it happening? He said, especially among the women. Especially the women uh, are unhappy. And so they, these women, they now begin to meet together in homes, not affiliated specifically with any community church, but just by themselves as seekers. This is, a, this is happening. This is really, really happening. So uh, um, uh, there is a move of the Lord in the Christian hearts. And we, be, we must believe that that is the Lord's sovereign, sovereignty and according to the Lord's timing. Then, secondly, you look at what? This is the Christian scene. Then you look at the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the situation in society. I don't need to tell you about this recession that we're in, all this economic depression that we're experiencing, and without really a clear end in sight. There's no light at the end of the tunnel yet. This is the worst that has happened to our country since the Great Depression. The mood is one of despair. The mood is one of hopelessness. The mood is one of insecurity. And not only with this country, look at the world situation today, right? Uh, the world is much more volatile and dangerous than it has ever been. Terrorism, am I right? The war in Afghanistan, all right? So, dear brothers and sisters, uh, I'm not trying to build up a case. I, am f I firmly believe all this world situation is for the Lord's move ultimately. Amen. It's not just happenstance. God has his mind. God has his will for this hour, for this time. So there you have. And number three, look at the Lord's recovery. The Lord's recovery since our brother Lee Witnessly passed away in this last 12, 13 years now had not fallen apart as some predicted. <laughs> On the contrary, I would say the Lord's recovery today is very, very strengthened. Amen. Globally. Globally. The oneness of the co-workers, the oneness of the churches across all the continents, uh, uh, based in, in no small part or because, uh, due in no small part to our feasts and blending so frequently uh, every year. I mean the traffic, the communication, the fellowship uh, all across the globe is just uh, astounding. We never have this even when our brother was alive. No, I can assure you. Today you can say the recovery is more one even than when he was here. 
And that is not to no, anybody's credit. That is the Lord's doing. Not only so, we people say when uh, the, the, the founder dies, or whatever you call them, that is it. Well, I will tell you today, would you not agree with me that the word of God is not rare among us? Amen. That although our brother had opened the panorama, the, the, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation in a complete way. All the basic and even the high peak truth has been revealed to us. Amen. But he said, oh, I'm, what I'm doing is just flagging, tagging the entry to the mind. You following after have to what? Dive into and excavate and mine that treasure. Amen. And don't you agree that some of that mining has been taking place? Amen. I mean, these feasts every year, these biannual trainings, these conferences, and the next one in Thanksgiving will be in Columbus, Ohio. I hope you will all go. Um, are filled with riches, full of the further development, still on the central lane but in the further development of those riches. Now, I'm one of the speakers, so I'm not here to, uh, you know, as they say, s s you know, sell my own cargo or something. But, brothers and sisters, would you not agree, objectively speaking, that the word is shining? Amen. The truth is, is really among us. Uh, uh, sometimes even as I'm preparing to speak, I just couldn't believe what I'm reading, or what I am preparing. And sometimes even when I opened my mouth, I couldn't believe what came out of my mouth. Uh, uh, not eloquence, not uh, because I, I am so and so. I don't mean that. I mean the anointing spirit. I mean the confirmation of the Holy Spirit is really, really with us. Our number is still small. The Lord's recovery as a whole, if you include China, and the Lord has been doing a great work and secret work in China, uh, we would still be, I would say, less than 2 million people uh, on the earth today. A rather small number. Rather small number. But I will tell you, it's not about the size, per se, right? Uh, the Lord, when he was on the earth, would not spend his time, at least in the evening, when he rests in Jerusalem. He would always come back to that little house of Bethany, the house of affliction, with what? One brother and two sisters. A very small, afflicted kind of a place. Yet the Lord chose that place for his evening rest. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, it's not how big the organization is. It's not how uh, glistening it looks. It's not that. It is where the Lord is. Amen. Where his presence is. So dear saints, I will tell you not only that, but I would say in these years, uh, uh, 
uh, number from in the the Christian realm are now becoming our friends, meaning that while for almost 30 years or more we have been maligned, we have been um, libeled as what? Being a cult, a very terrible thing. Today, today, there are those who are, you know, uh, of certain stature and um, renown in Christianity, standing up to say that we are dear believers in Christ. Amen. We are not a cult, including some of the names you, you know, I don't need to say here, some of the organization that took the lead to condemn us as a cult. Today, they're taking to lead the lead to say we were wrong. And I dare not say a, a, there's a tide, a tidal wave of a turn, but I will tell you all these are signs that what? That the Lord is readying the situation Amen. for the Lord's recovery to grow, Amen. for the truth to spread. By clearing up some of these debris and trash on the roadway. This is also not a small thing. Well, all in all, what I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, is that deep in my spirit, I really, really believe the time is now for the United States. The Lord for the Lord to grow and spread in this country. There's simply no other country like the U.S. of A. today. And this country is still a kind of a base of the Lord's recovery. Um, it is still, no matter what you say, the leading country of the earth. So the Lord must do something. We have been here, you know what, by in a couple of years, it will be our 50th anniversary the Lord's move in this country. And yet after 50 years, we still have about only 250 churches and maybe 250,000 active members or saints. That is not commensurate, right? Yeah. With the truth that we, we, have, we, have, we have inherited. With the commission that has been given to us and with what this country needs and deserves. And brothers and sisters, we are not being proud here. We're not being arrogant here. We're not being unrealistic here. But just look and at what we have and look out there and see what people have. If we do not bring this to them, I don't think we can face the Lord. We cannot face our senior co-workers. Certainly, I cannot face my senior co-worker. And we cannot even face our own countrymen. We, are have, we, we, we were sitting in this Joseph's storehouse. And yet, they are just feeding on husks. You know, today, why people are unhappy, discontent? Because what they are fed is so superficial so shallow and I say 
actually, in many senses, it is so superstitious. Right? That's what they have. And now, today, it is all what they, even some critique of Christianity say, uh, Christianity or, uh, has become a like the religion of Oprah. You know Oprah Winfrey? It become a therapeutic religion. It is becoming a guilt-free religion. It is to help you to feel good and help you to do good religion. That is not bad. But that is not God's heart's desire. Far from it. That is not God's economy. What about God's eternal purpose? All of this, all of this, and I have article after article in my PDA sent from me. Every week I get another article, not of us speaking about the present situation, but, but people within that domain critiquing themselves. It is a sad, sad situation. Sad, sad situation. My goodness, friends and sisters, we have a job. We have a duty. We have a responsibility. Amen? Amen. And let me finish with this note, not my message, but my preamble. (laughs) Uh, And I would say particularly I'm burdened for the central part of the United States, the heartland of America. This is the place where the Lord must grow and spread the most. We have quite a presence along the coasts. I'm talking about not only those coasts, but even the Gulf Coast, meaning in the Texas area. But as far as this great middle part of America, we don't have that much of a presence. And that has got to change. That has got to change. Well, we'll talk more about that. Now, tonight, you may say, what are you going to speak about? This may scare you to death. (laughs) This may scare you to death, so get ready. Tonight, tomorrow, excuse me, tomorrow, tomorrow evening, and Lord's Day, three meetings, right? In those three meetings, I'm going to have the real conference, okay? So tonight is sort of the intro, intro. Tomorrow, I mean, in, the, in the, the, those three meetings, uh, my subject is a fresh, fragrant, and fruitful church life. Amen. That's my title. So as you can guess, in the morning, I'm going to talk about the freshness of the church life. Well, what makes a church life fresh? Tomorrow night, I'm going to talk about what makes a church life fragrant. Fragrant. And on Lord's Day, I'm going to talk about what makes a church life fruitful. Three F's. Fresh, fragrant, and fruitful. Let me tell you, that should be our church life. Our testimony. And we can be that. Now tonight, what are we going to do? Tonight, I'm going to make good what some people label me as. They call me the point man. 
I'm the point man because I love points. I cannot live without points. So I said, okay, since I'm that, I better live up to that billing. So tonight I'm going to scare you because I have prepared 72 points. <laughs> 72 points, you can't believe it. Have you been to a message where you got 72 points? Last, last. Yeah, two weeks ago, I was in Denver. I gave them 40 points. Uh, and within one week's of time, it has almost doubled to 72. Well, you say, what 72 points are you talking about? Well, I will just let you know. 72 extraordinarily sweet points. What is my burden tonight, this little intro burden tonight? My intro burden tonight is simply to talk to all of us about abiding in the vine. That's not my title, uh, but that's the undergirding, the, the, the burden. What is abiding in the Lord? Now we read some verses. Now we all know this word abiding is a, uh, is John's particular vocabulary, the Apostle John. This is actually his word. So you read uh, particularly the gospel, his gospel, John, and of course his three epistles, particularly epistle number one. You'll find this word all over the place. Uh, it's very characteristic of him. Now, so John is big on abiding. But what is to abide? We read, I have us read a few verses in John 15, that very, very famous chapter of this vine tree, this true vine, which we all know, is God the Son, Christ, as that universal plant or organism, husbanded, planted, cultivated by God the Father. All right? Now, that's a mouthful, but I... Assume that you, you can follow me. And that is actually a reality. You know, people say this uh, vine is a parable. Well, in a sense, it is a parable. On the other hand, it is not more than a parable. It is a reality. And realities are very, very difficult to express to understand, to convey. Let's say love. Tonight I talk about love. It's very hard to talk about love. Very hard to convey, uh, you know, describe it. Uh, you have to sense it. You have to feel it. Am I right? This matter of God's economy to uh, have such an organis organism comprising himself, of himself, as part of that organism. In fact, that organism must be an extension of himself. 
a outshoot of himself. You know, I even now recall in Isaiah, Christ is the shoot of Jehovah and the fruit of the earth. Am I right? He is the branch of David. So, from eternity past, God has a will, a purpose to what? Sprout himself, so to speak. To shoot out himself, to grow out of himself, to expand himself somehow into what? Into not angels, into not anything dead in creation, no matter how beautiful this creation is, but into his top creature, the man who was made after his image and according to his likeness. That man, that man he specifically made as the recipient of his life, of his nature, of himself. And this is the target of his sprouting. God would come out of eternity one day into a man. And that man is Christ Jesus. Right? Not into an angel, but into a man. And in this man, this man is the very, what? Very expression of God. The very extension of God. The very uh, embodiment of God. Right? This man is God mingled with humanity. Divinity mingled with humanity. And this is the seed of this organism. He is he became that seed. You know, what kind of tree depends on that kind of seed? You know, you want to grow a vine, you need a, the seed of the vine or the seedling of the vine. Right? Everything that that vine becomes has to be there in that seed. You cannot add it later. You can water, you can, pl- you can, you can fertilize, but you cannot add more. The DNA, the genes, all have to be there. So, this seed that eventually grow into a vine tree in John 15, this universal corporate organism, cannot have only divinity. It must have humanity in it because the vine is also human and divine. So, this seed must be human and divine And praise God, it is in the person of Jesus Christ, the God-man. He was the seed. He was the seed of the woman. He was the seed of Abraham. He was the seed of David. He was the seed of Jehovah. He was that God-man seed coming, coming through incarnation to this earth, out of eternity into time and into space. On this earth. And he planted himself. How was he planted? He was planted by his death. By falling into the earth to die. That's John chapter 12. Am I right? Falling into the earth to die. So that it will not abide alone. But he will what? Bear much fruit. Grains of fruit. In that case, of course, the picture was wheat, was wheat. 
But here in John 15, we have the vine tree. But the principle is the same. Out of, by being sown through death into the ground and buried, and with his human shell being broken on the cross, that divine life sprang forth. forth. That divine life was released. Right? You remember, out of his side flowed blood and water. That water is the released life of God. Imparted in resurrection into the disciples who represent all of us. So you have on resurrection evening, the Lord came into that upper room and say, peace be unto you. And he blew upon them or breathed into them. And he said, or breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Breath. What is that breath? I tell you, that breath is none other than himself. Himself as the God-man passing through all these marvelous processes. And now have become transfigured, as it were. Transformed or taking another form. Or you may say, pneumatized. That means he now have become air. He now have become the spirit. So in 1 Corinthians 4.15, you have the word, the last Adam, referring to Jesus Christ, has become the life-giving spirit. He was God in heaven, becoming then a God-man on the earth, and now he has become the God-man spirit in resurrection. And as such, he is that very seed ready to be sown into all of us, who are all a piece of dirt. Doesn't sound so good, right? We sometimes, you know, denigrate people and say, you're just a piece of dirt. Well, if you say that, I would say, praise the Lord. That's exactly what I am. When God made us, he made us all out of the dust of the ground, didn't he? But this piece of dirt is pretty special. Because it's not just a piece of dirt. This piece of dirt had God's breath in him. And I'm not talking about the breath in chapter 20, 22 of John. I'm talking about that breath in Genesis 2. When God breathed into the nostrils of man, he, man became a living soul. That, that breath of God is not God. That is something very close to God. And that breath into man became man's special organ. That no other creature possesses except man. And that is his human spirit. Amen. Man has a spirit within him. Uh, the, the, the Bible is full of this kind of word. Even in Job. There is a spirit in man. It is the breath of the Almighty. Alright, so we all have this organ called the human spirit within us. For what? So that we can receive this seed. This divine human seed, right, that is going to be implanted into us. And it's talking about implanting. How was the seed planted? How was the seed sown? Yes, the seed is the spirit today. The all-inclusive spirit of Christ today, which is the pneumatized Christ today. Yes, 
But I will tell you, that spirit came through the word. That's why Peter says, the imp receiving the implanted word. And in Matthew 13, it says, the sower went out to sow. And that sowing is the sowing of the word of God. Amen. That is the word of the gospel. All right. When we heard the gospel, the word of the gospel, that seed of the spirit was the word was sown into us and contained in that abiding, living and abiding word is the very divine life and nature. Amen. The very pneumatic God man, Christ. So that was sown into this piece of dirt. Now today, I tell you, this Christ is growing in all these pieces of dirt. Actually, we're not just pieces of dirt. In God's eyes, we're just one huge piece of dirt. His humanity. We are here not all growing. In one sense, personally, we're all growing Christ. I'm growing Christ. You're growing Christ. That means Christ is growing in you. Christ is expanding in you. Christ is taking shape in you. Christ is bearing fruit in you. One day Christ will mature in you. And Christ will blossom in you. That's on one, cent, on, on one side. On the other side, on the other hand, he is growing in us corporately. So Paul says, you are God's building. You are God's farm. We are a corporate farm in which there's only one plant. Have you been to a farm with only one plant? For sure not in Missouri, right? Or Kansas. But God's, God's, God's plantation has only one plant. God's vineyard has only one vine. And that vine is the vine in John 15. And we're part of that vine. You are, I am, the church is actually that vine today. The body of Christ is that vine today. That is the growth of the corporate God-man. Okay, now, here in talking about this vine, the Lord's emphasis was on the abiding again. Right? Through the mouth, uh, or through the, the pen of John, writing this down, the emphasis there is on abiding. That means the condition of this vine, the health of this vine, the growth of this vine, in fact, very much the fruitfulness of this vine depends on one thing. One thing. And that's abiding. Amen. So today, dear saints, in our personal life and in the church life, nothing is as crucial as our abiding. Amen. Nothing is as important as our abiding. So, my 72 points is about how to abide. Amen. Now, before we get there, the word abide in Greek means to stay, to remain. Don't move. Don't move. Be still. Stay there. Stay in what? Stay either in a given place, lo loca locale, Stay in a uh, 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 a fixed state, 
a fixed state, uh, stay in a, a fixed relationship, don't move, don't change relationship, and even stay in the, with the same hope or expectancy. That's what it means to remain. It also, you can use the word dwell. Dwell. You live there. You know, you, you have a house here. You just don't move around. You know, if you do, you're homeless. Right? <laughs> or you are a uh, vagabond. You are, uh, you know, you're a hobo or something. But if you uh, have a home, you, 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 you don't move around. You, you, you stay there. You remain there. Am I right? Day after day, all the time. Well, today, for us to be this healthy vine, growing to become God's expression. This vine is for God's expression in its fruitfulness. Right? Our need is to remain. Remain in what? Remain in this vine. Remain in this vine. That vine which is... Christ himself, who is the Son of the Father, who is our Lord today, who is our light today. So we have to abide in this light. Who is love today? So we have to abide in this love. Who is the Word today? So we have to abide, remain in this Word. Who is even the anointing today? So we have to even abide in this anointing. This is all in John's writing. Anyway, dear saints, we have to abide in him now to use a kind of a, our word, another word that all the apostles use. This is not exclusive for John, and that is the word fellowship. Actually, another way of saying to abide is to remain in fellowship with. Now, the old English word for fellowship is the word communion. Communion. All right? Uh, Hudson Taylor, the famous missionary, had a very famous little booklet called Union and Communion. I love that. It's not just a play of words. Union means the fact of our oneness with the Lord, right? When we're saved through faith and baptism, we became one with the Lord. That's union. That's a fact. That's unchanging, unbreakable eternal. But today we cannot just have fact. We must have experience. Amen. We must appropriate that fact. We must make that fact applicable. So today we do not just have a factual union with the Lord. Today we must have the experiential communion Amen. with the Lord. That means we must be, we must enjoy this oneness with him all the time. Amen. Actually, Christian life is super simple. Christian life. The Christian life is just to abide in the vine. The Christian life is just to remain in the Lord. The Christian life is just to what? Just to stay in this fellowship with him. Amen. This communion with him. Every single single moment. All the time. 
sisters when you're cooking, changing diapers, shopping. Brothers, when even when you're driving, you're at work. Inwardly, you can be, you can, and you must remain in this oneness with the Lord in communion with Him. Amen. The word is fellowship. This fellowship with the Lord. Okay. Now, you say, what are your seventy-two points? Well, my seventy. Points it came out of a burden that I have, and that is I find that the particularly tonight in tonight that personal communion, the personal fellowship between the saints and the Lord, can use some strengthening. Can be strengthened. Actually, it's all there. I mean, it determines everything. Our church life is determined by that. Your Christian walk is determined by that. Everything hinges, related to our spiritual life, hinges on this fellowship with the Lord. So I have this burden. We must spend some time to. Finally, thoroughly, even exhaustively, render the saints some help so that they can know what this communion really is. And they can get into the depths of that fellowship. Because when they do, I will tell you, they will express the Son. They will bear fruit to the Father. Um, they will fulfill God's economy. Very burdened about this. I am especially burdened about this with younger people. The Lord willing, I like to have a 72 meeting training. One point each session. I don't know how long this training will be. 72 uh, 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 session training so that we will not just kind of gloss over these things. We will not just kind of assume that we have it when we don't have it. I really mean that. I really mean that. Now, particularly, these 72 points have to do with how we come to the Lord. How we should touch the Lord. How we should contact Him. Now, this sounds, I know, very, very simple, basic, um, almost elementary, but not quite, not quite. You know, I came from the full-time training there in Anaheim. Uh, a lot of these uh, young people who come to the training are, you know, they grew up in the church life, this and that. I found out to my surprise a goodly number of them do not know how to fellowship with the Lord in this way. They're good. They have some touch with the Lord. Don't, don't take me wrong. But I'm talking about the depth of it. I'm talking about the richness of it. You see, I, I found 
not enough, not quite enough. So, one day I was thinking and thinking, and so, firstly there was 20 points, then there was 40 points, now 72 points. I hope it won't keep growing. Let's just leave it there, okay? Now, tonight I don't have the time. Look, look at this. This shows that I'm not just talking out of thin air. For each point, I have verses, and I have even songs, hymns for each point. And I have even, in some cases, some uh, ministry excerpts. This is, not, this is just a start of it. I intend to finish this. Would you like to have a document? Yes. Huh? I, I, I will give it to you. Uh, but you have to promise me that you will spend 72, 72 days. Each day, practicing one of the points. Amen. Don't hurry. 72 days. Or, better yet, 72 weeks. That's over one year. You may say, oh my, this is too long, too, uh, too uh, dragged out. Uh, precisely. I tell you, you cannot hurry any relationship. A solid, deep relationship is built up over time. And I'll tell you, God is ready for this. He's ready. In fact, he would be most pleased if you would do this for 72 weeks. And I will guarantee maybe by the second or third week you will start seeing the change in your Christian life. No refund. I'm not guaranteeing anything. But from experience, I know. It depends how you exercise. Touching the Lord is not a hit and miss affair. As many Christians think. Oh, this morning, I touched the Lord. What a miracle. And for four days, I didn't touch Him. That's wrong. That's wrong. Every time we touch the Lord, He should be there. And it should not be that miraculous. If it's miraculous, it is normally miraculous. Or miraculously normal. All right, now, I break down the 72 points into groups of 12. So, six groups. Am I right? Six times 12, 72. All right. Let's start with, now, uh, you, you can write it down, but if I'm going to have some document coming, you don't need to write everything down. In fact, tonight, I don't think I will get into, you know, expounding verses. We just don't have the time. We we have to finish this meeting. So, uh, quite, quite, quite a, uh, 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 um, uh, a quick tour, okay? Quite a quick tour. But uh, I hope it will whet your appetite. It will whet your appetite. Okay. The first group, okay, I, I say 72 precious words describing our relationship and fellowship with the Lord. Amen. 72 precious words describing our relationship and fellowship with the Lord Jesus, the Lord. Okay, All right, the group, 
Group one are actually 12 words that describe this relationship. The other five groups are things that we do. Okay? Things that we do. What are these uh, 12, uh, uh, these 12 points? Uh, conveniently, I group them into groups of three. You know, 12, three. That means four subgroups. See, I'm a point man. All right. Okay. Number one is personal. It's got to be a personal, one-on-one relationship. No surrogates. No one can contact the Lord on your behalf. There's no such thing. You've got to develop a totally personal. Personal. It's very, very important that this is personal relationship with the Lord, with your Lord. All right? I'm not going to say anything further. This just, just, I'll get bogged down into just one point. All right. Is your, how personal is your relationship with the Lord? How personal is it? All right? It should be when everything, even when everything falls apart, that personal relationship remains. Amen. Amen. Nothing, no one can take that away from you. Number two, it must be spiritual. We're not talking about some emotional, you know, soulish kind of thing. Because the Lord is the spirit. And we contact him. Our relationship is in the realm of our mingled spirit. So therefore, this must be a spiritual relationship. All right? So I will just say that much. Of course, our heart is involved. Our mind is involved. All of that. But the realm is in divine and mystical. It is, it is a spiritual re- relationship. Uh, you can put in parentheses mystical. You know, spiritual means mysterious, mystical, right? Relationship. Isn't this good? Yes. I have a mystical relationship with somebody. That, that will get ears perked up, right? Number three, you're going to like this one, romantic. This is not a business relationship. This is no arm's length dealing with the Lord. This absolutely must be romantic. If it's not, it's, sorry, it's below standard. All right? You you have to be... Totally romantic with the Lord. You know why you didn't touch the Lord? You're not romantic enough. That's why. All right? The Lord is in for a romance. Okay, this is the first group. The second group, number five, is. Huh? Number four. Number four is this must be private. Private. Uh, not just personal, but very private. Not public. Private. Right? Um, and the next thing I would 
The next word I would say, it must be hidden in the closet. You know, it says pray to your father in the closet. Don't go to the public square. In the closet. How is your closet experience with the Lord Jesus? I like to ask. I see in the meetings. I see you doing this and that in the meeting. But I like to know your private time with the Lord. That is the foundation. That's the rock. That is what undergirds your Christian existence. Number six. Affectionate. Affectionate. This affectionate is not, has two sides. One side is the husband and wife affectionate. Okay? So that's, that's, a, that's one side. There's another side, let me tell you, is father and son affectionate. Recall in Luke 15, the father welcoming this, running to this prodigal, it says, he fell on his neck and kissed him affectionately. That is not a romantic kiss. That was a fatherly kiss. Yet affectionate. So there are many aspects of this affection. All right? But nevertheless, this, this, this relationship must be full of affection. So now I go to group three. Number seven, this must be deep. Deep, not shallow. Must be deep. Um, How deep, brothers and sisters, is your relationship or fellowship with the Lord? I know you have one, but how deep it is. If it's not deep, it can dry out. Dry, Dry up. It can be blown away. When it's deep, like you're tapping the well, you know, a thousand feet under, that, that's different. That's different. In other words, how, root, how, deep you're, you, how deep are your roots? That's really another way of asking the question. In this relationship with the Lord. The next word is intense. Uh-huh. Intense. Is it a kind of just kind of nonchalant relationship? We're not having a fling with the Lord. You know. It must be intense. And I really mean that. Makes a difference. The next point is it must be How strong is it? Strong. Strong means unbreakable. You know, in in Psalms, Psalms, his love is as strong as shield. Now that's strong. That means it can overcome death. You know, in this world, till death do we part. You know, in, in marriage, that's not strong. Because death can annul it. When death comes, it's over. I tell you, our relationship with the Lord must be so strong. No death can, can strip it. 
can take it away. Unbreakable. Okay, the last group I'd like to say, number one, it has to be fresh. Fresh. You have a relationship with the Lord, but (laughs) it's like 10 years ago. You need to go to Hawaii to renew your vow, you know. <laughs> you need to do something because it's not fresh anymore. You know, it's possible. Some of us have been around here. We know the ropes. We, we do everything right, but we have lost our freshness. So tomorrow, I'm going to, first point is a fresh church life. A fresh church life. Okay. Next thing, uh, number 11, consistent. Not up and down, you know, like this, but consistent. All the time, regular, daily, moment by moment, year in, year out, good times, bad times. I tell you, that relationship, that abiding continues. Build that up. Do you understand? This can be built up. Don't say, I don't have it. No, no. Build it up. Build it up. And the last point, number 12, is memorable. Memorable. Lasting. Uh, You know, there's this thing hidden, an omer full of hidden manna that is placed in the golden pot, that is put within the ark, that is situated in the Holy of Holies. That omer full never stinks never breed worms it lasts and lasts without need of preservatives if there is a preservative it's God himself I tell you that omerful become a memorial becomes a it's called a memorial before God how about that brothers and sisters I like to ask, your time with the Lord, your fellowship with the Lord, will it be remembered in the new Jerusalem? Will it, will it remain until then? It should. If it's a real relationship with the Lord, it will remain all the way. I would say it will be eternal. Yeah, I, 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 I think we can testify my, sometimes when I'm with the Lord so much, so much. I'm just like, I'm out of time. I, I, I just lost track of time. I don't think I'm in time. I don't know where I am. But in my spirit, I'm in eternity. For real. And you know, such experience will be kept as a memorial, even in the New Jerusalem. I believe so. I absolutely believe so. Okay, did you get the first 12? Now, group two. (laughs) Well, group two, I didn't break it down into small groups. I just give you the words. Group two has to do with our approaching. You know, when you go contact someone, how you approach means a lot. I have 12 points in how to approach. It's a very tender experience okay even as you're speaking I'm also writing down notes for myself 
Okay, number one. These are all backed up by verses. Oh, it's, it's in, really in the Bible. Okay. Number one, when you come to the Lord, when you come to contact the Lord, to be with the Lord, spend time with Him, that's what we're talking about. Number one, it has to start with a desire. I, I've seen saints coming to the Lord with no desire. They just come because they're supposed to. It's called morning revival. It's a programmatic exercise. It's a formula. There's no desire at all. Start with your desire. And that desire has to be what? Intense. You know, it it says, as the heart pants after the water brooks, so my heart pants after thee, O God. Now, that panting is some serious desire. Saints, I'll tell you, when you come to the Lord, do you... Are you overtaken by such desire? Or are you just coming, you know, for, to have an appointment, you know? I'm, I'm doing some work, some PT work, you know, physical therapy work on my right calf because it, it was injured and has these uh, 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 scar tissues, painful. So I have to go to the P, uh, PT uh, twice a week for, for work. Let me tell you, I have zero desire for that appointment. It's so painful, I scream. I mean, it's really, really bad. Are you going to see the Lord like a physical therapist? No desire, just want to get it over with, you know? Terrible, terrible. Number two, you have to choose. You have to deliberately choose the Lord according to that desire in your spirit. You have to exercise your will to choose Him. Very important. Very early on, you have to use your renewed will to choose the Lord. Moses said, choose life from henceforth. There's before you life and death. You either choose life or choose death. You choose. You choose, Israel. Every time our coming to the Lord must be not just of his drawing, for sure that is his wooing, attracting, but also it must be our choosing. God, I choose you. Lord, I'm coming to you now. I'm determined to meet you. Number three, belief. You must exercise faith. It's all in the realm of faith, not in the realm of sight. Don't try to come to the Lord according to sight. Come to the Lord by faith. That means right away exercise your inner eyes. Your outer eyes is nothing, invisible. The Lord, where is the Lord? But faith eyes sees Him. Learn to exercise the spirit of Belief and faith. Number four, come. Simply the word come. Some, uh, some Old Testament word, draw near. I like that actually. Draw near. Or even there's an Old Testament word that says incline. You know? That's incline unto him. Come. You know, we sang the Lord song today. I come to his presence afresh. Yes, the Lord comes to you. 
But on our part, which is all these 72 points, we have to come to him, draw near to him. There has been a little distance in 24 hours. Draw near once more. Come again. Lord, I'm coming again. That's that attitude. Next point, turn. We've been away. So whenever the heart will turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. With the will. You may say with our emotion, we desire. With our will, we choose. With our spirit, we believe. Now with our heart, we have to turn. Turn your heart. Lord, I'm turning again to you. Very important. Very important. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like this. Now, Lord. Oh, you're here, right? The Lord is there. I am turning to you. I'm turning. I'm doing 180. Okay? I am deliberately making a turn. You know, that's the real meaning of repentance, by the way. Repentance means a turn. It doesn't mean confession. Confession is another thing. Repentance is... Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Amen? Okay, number six. Stop. (laughs) What is this? Stop. Yes, stop. You know what's your problem? Too busy. Too like this. Somewhat like Martha. Couldn't stop. The Lord says, Mary have chosen the better part because she stopped and sat at my feet. It's very important. You know, I don't mean physically stop. I mean your mind. Your mind just goes crazy. You cannot stop your mind. It's just like this. Stop. Even sometimes you have to tell yourself, stop it, man. You know, stop. Maybe put your head into ice water or something. Oh, our mind is like wild unstoppable everywhere especially when you want to pray it just goes crazy when you want to come to the Lord it just like starting to spin stop you must stop yourself you know why we close your eyes when we pray that's not some religious thing that is a sign of we we block ourselves of all the distraction all the worldly things stop ourselves. That's what it means. But some of us close our eyes. Inside we're seeing all kinds of movies in our mind, right? You didn't even, you didn't stop. Okay, next one. Calm. Not just stop. You can stop, but you're not calm. You're not silent. You're not still. You're full of uh, like a tempest in a teapot. You, 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 You just... You just, you just, you just turbulent within. You, 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 you're full of anxieties. Oh, what about tonight's meal? What about? Uh, you, you, you can't be still. You can't be calm. You've got to calm your soul. Calm down your soul, brothers and sisters. Number eight, open. Open every pore of your being. 
Open every cell and fiber of your being. Oh, this is so so important. Open, just 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 like the just open, just just like a bottle, just just open, like a can without a cap. Uh, just 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 wide open. The more the better. Number nine, empty. You may be filled with this concept and filled with that thought. Empty, empty, unload. That means unload, unload. Even sometimes spiritual things you need to unload. You go to the Lord. Oh, inside you just have this thought: I want to be an elder. You better unload that, <laughs> because that will keep you from touching the Lord. Or I want this, or I want that. Or even your needs, you have to unload. Even you have a need, they'll come later. Even your need, you have to unload. So it's best when we come to contact the Lord, not to start praying for your aunt, for your uncle, for this and that. Not that they don't need your prayer, but that's not the way to start. Empty, unload, become blank in a good sense for Him to write something in you. All right. Next, ask. This is not prayer. Asking the Lord to do something for you. That's not the asking here. This is just asking Him for access, uh, for His presence, right? For a time of fellowship. For his, ask for his face, his countenance. Ask for that. Ask for his presence. You know, the Lord's presence is not cheap. Huh? No, it's not cheap. It is not cheap. You have to ask for it. The Lord's goodness, plentiful goodness, are not cheap. You have to ask. It's there, but you have to ask. The next thing is seek. Seek is more than ask. How can anyone come to the Lord without a seeking heart? You have to seek his face. Seek and you will find. You know why you don't find? You didn't seek. Oh, I'm afraid some of us, our morning revival is just opening up the book, looking at the gray part. You know, there's a gray part. Uh, And just read through it and then quickly read the white part. And you close your book. I've done my morning revival. Yes, you have done it. But the Lord is nowhere to be seen. You never touched the Lord. You just did your morning revival. Actually, you weren't revived. Only the living Lord can revive us. Now, don't take me wrong. I don't mean to throw that book away. I don't mean... But I mean you have to come in a different way. Now, the last, number 12, is knock. Sometimes you need to do some knocking. As if the Lord is playing hide and seek with me. As if. Don't give up. Don't give up. The Lord is still not there after five minutes, after ten minutes. Still, it seems he's not there. Don't give up. The Lord is testing you a little bit. You really want him bad enough. Yeah, the Lord is very human. Very human. 
Knock, knock, and it shall be opened for you. Okay, group three. This is about contacting the Lord. The first one is just approaching. Now it's about contacting. Number one, the word is rest. Learn to rest in His bosom. You know John, John the uh, the apostle, rest in the Lord's bosom. Now today, in spirit, you and I should learn how to rest in the Lord's bosom. So I don't think any of us can meaningfully contact the Lord in 24-hour fitness. Oh, I had my morning revival when I was uh, 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 doing my dumbbells, uh, doing my bench press. I don't believe so. I don't believe you're not resting. <laughs> you are like this. Do you know how to lay on the Lord's bosom? I mean, on his breast? Do you know what that feels like? You should. This is part of our experience of Christ. The next, next one is, where is it? is cherish. Cherish the Lord. That means you, it's something you treasure. Am I right? Some, something you treasure so much that you, you cherish that. Do you cherish the Lord? Do you cherish Him? Do you cherish this fellowship time? Very fine. Very tender, brothers and sisters. Next one, love. Of course, we all know love. How to contact the Lord by love is the most excellent way. God wants our heart to be loving. And he responds to our love. Number four, touch. Of course, to touch the Lord. We sang tonight the song, right? What is that? Touching thee, new life is flowing. We have hymn 769. Touching deeply, richly I of himself experience. Thus the law of life I touch and his clear anointing sense. Touch. You know that woman with a hemorrhaging for 12 years. Touch merely the hem of the Lord's garment. Just the hem and virtues flow out the Lord. The Lord say, who is it that touched me? Today we're not just touching the hem of his garment, which is really his humanity. His humanity. We are touching directly the God-man. I tell you, when we touch his humanity, his fine, beautiful, sweet and precious humanity, I tell you, we shall be healed. One touch heals us. I may not have half an hour. I have only 10 minutes this morning. But I touch him. I was healed. Something was healed within me. Right? The next one, cleave. Cleave. Like cling. Like embrace. You know, cleave. Huh? I'm cleaving to him. Cleaving to him. I'm not just... 
resting on him. I'm not just touching him. Now I am clinging to him. There's a song, hymn 451. Not by wrestling, but by claim, clinging shall we be most blessed. Dear saints, in your spirits, cling to the Lord. Cleave to the Lord. Cleave to him. I mean, really, stick with him. You know. The next point, hide. Uh, hide. Have you learned to hide in him? You know, he is the rock. Do you know how to hide in him? I really mean it. Many times I'm with the Lord. Lord, I'm hiding in you right now. What protection? What covering? What security? Hiding in the Lord. In my spirit. You see? This is very real. Okay. Next one. Uh, behold. Behold. I cannot gaze enough of thee. You know that song, right? Take time to behold him. Just to behold his face. This is 2 Corinthians 3.18, right? With unveiled face, behold. Brothers and sisters, look full in his wonderful face. Look full. Do a full look. Do a full scan of the Lord's face. Don't just dart your eyes at the Lord. You know what I mean? Just like that. Look full in his wonderful face in your spirit. That's the way to fellowship with the Lord. Next one, bathe. Bathe. That means to bask. Bathe. Sunbathing, huh? I say S-O-N, sun. Sunbathing. Do some sunbathing, okay? Bathe in the sunlight, S-O-N, light. That means you are under radiation therapy right now. You are, you are in the tanning bed right now. You are, you, you are bathing in, the, in his rays, in, in his dispensing. Isn't that wonderful, dear saints? Do you have that experience? That's the real fellowship with the Lord. Okay, next, draw, draw, like draw from him, like drawing water out of a well. You just draw from, you just suck it out of the Lord. You just pull it out of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. That kind of, oh, I tell you, I don't know how to explain it. I just can tell you it's real. Very real in our experience. Next one, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Somewhat an Old Testament term. But there's something about it. Just, you just, you just, you just hanging out with him, right? You, you, wherever he goes, you just go. You, 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 won't, you, you won't leave. You just, actually, it's more than that. You are just like a servant, just waiting there. He may not say a word, that's okay. You are waiting there until he speaks. It's not about whether he's speaking, he's doing something. It's about you 
waiting there. A lot of our time, we give up because we stop waiting. We stop waiting. You should be waiting. And then, I'm not done yet, number 11, linger, linger, linger. That means when it's over, you still stick around. (laughs) How about that? Many times we say, when you're with the Lord, you watch your clock, you know? When will this morning revival be over? No, I tell you, Abraham lingered. And in his lingering, God opened his heart to him concerning Lot, concerning Sodom and Gomorrah. That was a lingering. If he had not lingered, they would have said goodbye. That's it. It was a very good visit. But no lingering, he would not have known. Offer that glorious intercession. That's 11, right? Number 12, remember. You may say, well, what, what, remember? That's right. I tell you, after even you are with the Lord, or towards the end you are with the Lord, you are still dwelling, remembering, recalling the sweetness of that time. It's still in your mouth. It's still in your mouth. The afterglow. The aftertaste is still there. I tell you, this is something fine. This is not a rough, rough kind of thing. All right, group four. My goodness, it's 9.30. I better be quick. This is about, this is about partaking. Now it's not just touching, uh, 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 contacting. Uh, but this is about partaking. Number one, call. We all know. Breathe. Inhale, call on the name of the Lord, right? Call on his name. Okay, just to breathe the name of Jesus. We have many songs. Okay, two, groan. Romans 8, groan. Sigh. We do not not know how to pray as we ought to, but we can groan. And the spirit groans within us with prayers that cannot be uttered. All right, so... Learn to groan. I groan a lot, not because I'm painful. It's just I do not know how to pray. The Spirit groans within me. And I groan with the Spirit. Sometimes the best prayer is groaning. Number three, converse. Converse. That means have a two-way dialogue with the Lord. It's not a monologue either on your side or the Lord's side, is a dialogue. It's a conversation you must have with the Lord. Next. Hunger. Hunger. That means hunger after Him. Blessed are those who hunger. Hunger after Him. Next one is, well, hunger and thirst. You know, together. Okay. Next one is taste. Taste the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste Him. Don't just gobble Him up. Start with with some starter, some appetizer. Taste Him. Have you tasted the Lord? How did the Lord taste to you this morning? As opposed to yesterday morning. Should be a little different. Next, nourish. Nourish yourself. By eating, by pray reading, especially by pray reading. Don't pray read a lot, many times one word. 
one phrase is plenty good. You just get, you just nourish yourself with the word of the Lord. Now to enjoy thee, I come to thy word on thee to feed till my hunger is o'er. So, okay. Number seven, masticate. Masticate. That means chew, ruminate, chew on the cut, regurgitate. Okay, I don't have time. Use your molars. Eat slowly. Eat slowly. Next, next, digest or assimilate. Digest the Lord. Digest what you eat in your prayer reading. Next, consider. Consider. Yeah, when when you're with the Lord, there's a lot of considering, especially based on His Word. Based on His Word. Next word. Next word. Muse. M U S E. M U S E. Muse. That means to reflect. The Hebrew word is actually the word meditate. Same word. It, it means to talk to yourself. Uh, it it to to speak out loud. Sometimes I'm in the garden. I start talking to myself. I talk to the Lord. I talk to myself. There are three parties there. It's very strange, you know. Do you have that experience? I say, Lord, this and this and that. Then I say, Man, you're too bad. Talking to myself, man, you're terrible. You 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 need to repent. <laughs> right. Anyway. You have to, this is mainly muse on his word, his word in you. Consider, reflect. Okay, 11, you learn. You have to learn. That means there's some teaching going on. Okay, it says, there's a song that says, Lord, teach me each day in thy presence to live. You have to learn, even while you're with the Lord, how to be with the Lord. The last one, keep. Keep what he has spoken to you. Learn, actually, you learn also from his word. Keep, also you keep what the Lord has spoken to you in his rhema. Okay, number five. Goodness, very, very quick. Okay, this will be quick. This, is, this section is on dealing. On dealing with the Lord. It's part of our fellowship. Okay, the last one is on partaking. This one is on dealing. Okay, number one, confess. Of course, confess your sins and wrongdoings. Number two, repent. I won't get into them. Repent. Number three, apply. As in apply the blood. Learn to apply the blood. Number four, offer. As in consecrate and surrender. When our time will with the Lord, I tell you, we just... Repeatedly, we will give ourselves to the Lord. Upon sensing His mercy, enjoying His grace, and just, just, just soaking in His love, you just wonder, Lord, I offer myself again. Amen. Offer, number four. Number five, listen. Learn to listen. Learn to sense what the Lord is speaking to you. Number six, obey. Be ready to obey. Even when the Lord is talking to you, you and the Lord are talking, you have a readiness to submit. 
Lord, say the word. Your servant is here to say amen. 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 Lord, whatever you demand, whatever you require, amen, Lord. Amen, Lord. I tell you, that will deepen your fellowship. This is part of the dealing. The next point, number seven, fear. Fear. In a very positive sense, when the Lord comes, there is a kind of a divine fear within us. Um, After all, he is God. He is our Lord. Right? A godly fear. Number eight, hope. You would hope in him. You would be hoping in him. You would not hope in anything. You would not trust in anything. You will only hope in him. Number nine, trust, of course. Trust. We will just, while we're with the Lord, we just trust in him in so many things. Number ten, deal. I used to deal. What what I mean by deal? Transact. Transact with the Lord on certain matters. Number eleven, inquire. E-N-Q-U-I-R-E. Inquire. You can say I-N-Q-U-I-R-E. Inquire. But it is, this is a kind of asking, not for something, but asking of this person's feeling. Asking of this person's mind. That kind of asking. How do you feel? Not, Lord, give me this, give me that. No, not that kind of asking. But, Lord, Lord, how do you feel? How do you feel? What is your mind? That's inquiring. That's inquiring. Okay? Number 12, entreat. Entreat. That means to implore, to beseech, to plead. I mean, not, not to plead, but to uh, beseech, beseeching the Lord. Right? Okay, group six. The group six is about worshiping. This is the last group. It ends in worshiping. Okay? But there's still some other item. Number one, cast. That means cast your cares and anxieties on the Lord. Some people, they go to the Lord with 100 pounds. They leave the Lord with 100 pounds. That means you never cast your cares on Him. Right? Be anxious of nothing, but let your requests be known to Him. That is to cast on Him your burdens. Whenever you receive a burden, just throw it onto the Lord in your fellowship time. It isn't, the burden is not for you to bear. It's for the Lord to bear. Number two, to petition. This is a kind of asking. Okay? Number three, supplicate. Supplicate means for very special items. Very special requests. Number four, intercede. Intercede is to intercede for others, not for yourself. For others' needs, on behalf of other people's needs. Number five, give thanks. Oh, thank you, Lord. Always we end with giving thanks. Number six, rejoice. Have we rejoiced in the Lord's presence? Rejoice, be happy in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. Or just long face? No. Number seven, sing. How much do we sing to the Lord with our spirit? It's good actually to when we spend time with the Lord to sing some. 
to sing the hymn. Yeah, very, very good. Number eight, praise the Lord. Praise. Praise the Lord. Number nine, bless the Lord. Speak well of him. To bless someone is to speak well of him. Speak well of the Lord. Lord, we give you the honor. Thine be the glory. Amen. Amen. Blessing be thine. Right? Number 10, exalt. That means to jump up and down. Or or be beside yourself. Be, Be crazy. Brother, have you been crazy in the Lord's presence? Paul says, I'm sober before man. But before God, I'm beside myself. I talked about David dancing in front of the ark. Now that is, oh, that is real worship. Have you done that? Uh In your backyard? Or in your bedroom? Or you're always just so sober? Do some dancing. I don't mean act in an acting way. When you're so filled with joy, so filled with thanksgiving, oh, you, you, you just beside yourself. Number 11, worship. Worship. Worship the Lord. At the end of the day, you worship Him. Number 12, expect. Expect means what? You expect the Lord's coming. Every time we touch the Lord, Lord, come quickly. Lord, come again. Am I right? Just full of expectancy. That's the last prayer in the whole Bible. Come, Lord Jesus. And that should be the end of our time with the Lord. How about these 72 points? I hope I'm not too much. I think I better stop here. How about we just have a little prayer? Uh, one with another. I don't know what else. It's quite late already. Amen. What we want to do. Just have some prayer with one another, huh?